Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to all of you, especially the dads. And uh, on this uh, on this kind of holiday weekend, again, a lot of families have gone and did different things. And by the way, if you haven't seen the waterfall lately, it's pretty much chugging wide open right now. So it's something to go see on this Father's Day. So we want to encourage you to um, spend some time with the dads today. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. We're talking about a famous dad. We're talking about Abraham in the Bible. And uh, Isaac has just been born, which makes Abraham the father. And so we got some interesting things. I saw a placard this week. It said, say your prayers and wash your hands because Jesus and germs are everywhere. But uh, as we think about this time of, uh, I don't know whether it's a, a pandemic or a pandemic. I'm, I'm still trying to decide this. But whichever it is, I know that it's changed the way all of us have lived. But one thing that never changes is our relationship between us and our Father in Heaven and your Father in Heaven's love towards you. Religion always desires to supplant the father-child relationship with rules and regulations and your approach to God rather than God's reaching out to you through Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, again, we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 21. And let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we just ask you now that your Holy Spirit would come and teach us, Lord, that your words would not just be ink on paper, but it would be inspired by your spirit that, Lord, as it took your heart to write these words, your spirit would drive these into our hearts and we would not forget them. And so, Lord, now as we spend this time, may your Holy Spirit speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you have the greatest father in the world. You have your father in heaven. And he's one of the greatest examples that you can pattern your life after. If you're currently a dad or someday want to be a dad, look at the way your heavenly father deals with his children. You know, one of the things you're going to find about God is he's merciful. That means he doesn't always give us what we deserve. Sometimes you'll find parents that will be overbearing. In other words, the punishment didn't fit the crime. And on the other hand, sometimes we find a father that won't do anything with their children and they become ruffians and hoodlums. So we have a good example in who our Heavenly Father is. And this is one of the things I think is so important because this is the way Jesus said we're to relate to God, our Father which art in heaven. Now again, we take that for granted. It sometimes become, it becomes almost mandane in that we say it so much. Our Father which art in heaven, help me. Our Father which art in heaven, help me. Okay. But that doesn't really speak what God wants. Daddy what do you want me to do for you today? And I'm on the verge of feedbacking. Here, 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 here. So I don't know what we've got here, but we've got reverb, 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 reverb. In the microphone, 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 microphone. Are we fixing it? Good. Okay. Hopefully we'll get that fixed. So chapter 21, Isaac is born. Now before that, Ishmael was born. And as we talked about this last week, they're having peace negotiations over this exact drama right now. 
in the Middle East. Well, as we go into verse 8, so Isaac, the child, grew and was weaned, and Abraham made several made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. He's a little boy now, no longer on his mother's milk. He's growing up, and now the problems begin to happen. Now, you know, one of the things that we have to remember is this. Sin does not always manifest its head, its repercussions, immediately in our lives. This is why God said sin is wrong. Now, the reason why sin is wrong is though it might feel good at the time in which you're doing it, the thing is the Bible says that there's a hook in it later on in your life. That's why it is sin. Otherwise, it would be normal living. It isn't that God's a cosmic killjoy and says, well, I don't want my children to have any fun. And so therefore, anything that's fun is bad. It's that what we oftentimes call fun has bad repercussions. And that's really important to remember. Because when the initial idea was, well, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Sarah was past the age of being able to bear children. Sarah says, here, take my handmaiden and start having kids with her. I notice that in the Bible, Abraham did not object to that. Kind of interesting. Well, so she conceives, Ishmael is born. He becomes the father of the Arab race. We're going to talk about some solutions for that. I believe all the solutions for all a man's problems are in the Bible. We're going to look at this today. And so it says... That And Sarah, verse 9, saw that the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing, literally making fun of Isaac. So Ishmael and Isaac now begin fighting. And by the way, they're still doing that again. Well, here's the point that's important. Therefore, she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son, namely Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. I believe Abraham loved Ishmael. Now, when we go back to Genesis 16.3, it says that Hagar became Abraham's wife. He had two wives. He was a polygamist. Interesting that, and I've always uh, mentioned this, that uh, when they were always chiding with Jesus, and they would say, our father Abraham. Jesus, we don't know who your father is. What they were often saying. Or they would quote Moses. But when you look at Abraham, they would always quote Abraham as he was the ideal patriarch who never sinned. Friends, when we study this in Genesis, we find that Abraham would lie to everyone concerning who his wife really was. We remember in our study a couple of weeks ago, Abimelech comes to Abraham and says, What is this that you have deceived me? She is not your sister, she is your wife. And it's El Bizarro in the Bible. Abraham says, ah, don't get too off about it. He says, we lie to everybody about that. Oh, and this is the patriarch that you're comparing against Jesus in the Gospels? 
I'm not dissing on Abraham. I'm saying Abraham was a man. And what do you find in men? You find failure. You don't ever find failure in God, but you will find failure in human beings. Ladies, don't expect perfect perfection out of your husbands. They will fail. Husbands, don't expect perfect perfection out of your wives. They will fail. Jesus never fails. That's something we always have to remember because he's the only perfect one. So she says, cast her out. It was displeasing to Abraham. Why? Because I believe he loved his son uh, Ishmael. And so God said to Abraham, now again, when we find ourselves in a problem, and friends, there are many times in your life, you're going to find yourself in problems. I got good news for you. You've got someone to go to that knows you, that loves you, that will give you the advice you need to fix the problem. And that's God. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, I feel bad for you. My heart goes out for you. I have sorrow for you because you have no one to go to to get the information you need to fix your life. You can go to Ann Landers. You can go to your astrology. You can go to your Ouija boards. You can go to your friends. You can go to your college degrees. You can go to all different sources of information to fix your problem, but they will never, ever fix the issues of your life. Why? Because no one knows you. Again, I've shared this many times. No one's ever been like you here ever before. No one will ever be on this earth ever like you ever again. You are unique to your time. You are a divine creation of God. Why is that important? Because you're not evolved sludge. Evolved sludge can go anywhere and get information. But when you realize that you were designed by God for a specific purpose at this time on this earth... You need God to give you the guidance and also the help you need to navigate through life. If you're not a Christian, if you believe that, oh, I'm just a cosmic mistake, lightning in a swamp, and here I am a billion years later. You see, that's what the world has to teach people to dehumanize people. This is why our, I've shared this before, this is what's the difference between communism and, and our principles of our country. Communism says, you, there's no heaven above us, no hell below us, above us only sky. Uh, you're, you're just a, a, a cosmic accident when lightning hit a swamp. You're just another ant in the line. You're nothing more than a worker bee. So enjoy your time here because this is all there is. But our forefathers recognized that we were created by a creator. This creates communism and capitalism, or maybe I should say our form of government, different. Because our form of government recognizes that you were created by God. Communism says you're a cosmic accident, so just get in line. Thus the word communal or commune. You, you all work together because after you're dead, you're dead. So why, why is that important? It's a whole different philosophy of life. You see, this is why having a relationship with God is so important. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you have nowhere to go for the information that you need. Abraham is in trouble here, friends. He had a son with his wife's handmaiden at her request, only to find that this did not go the way they thought it was going to go. Now there's problems in the home. 
And by the way, this is probably one of the reasons why polygamy doesn't work, okay? You think it's hard to live with one woman, get a bunch, you know? You may have a lot of issues. I think the carpet should be green. I think the carpet should be blue. I don't think we should have carpet at all. I think we should have, you know, pogo flooring. What kind of pogo flooring? I don't know. Maybe we should have light tan or brown tan or whatever. You can go crazy. Well, that's kind of what the problem is here. Sarah says, I don't want her in the house. Abraham goes, I'm very, very displeased with all of this. And so, verse 12, but God said, aren't you glad you have a relationship with God? Even when we don't do everything right, even when we don't dot the I's and cross the T's as we're supposed to, God is faithful to us. Always remember that. You may not be faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. Always remember. God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight. Because of the lad or because of your bondwoman, whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I will also make a nation of your son, of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. The promise was to Abraham that his descendants would be a great nation. That was passed on to Isaac just as it was to Ishmael. Now, again, this is why they're having peace negotiations over this. Be careful what we do. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread, a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy Hagar sent him away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. now, friends, this, this is weird, okay? He married her. Go, go back to Genesis 16, 3. He married her. Here, he gets a divorce from her. He sends her away, and not with alimony. Here's your bottle of water. Here's your loaf of bread. See ya. Does this bother anybody here? I mean, this to me is weird. Now, we're going to see why it's weird in a minute. Because the book of Jude tells us that these things happen for our examples. Now, examples can be that of good or that of bad. Sometimes it is, boy, that is the way I want to go. Boy, I learned from that lesson. I'll never go that way. Somebody said one time, a wise man will learn from other people's mistakes. You cannot live long enough to make them all yourself. I think that's true. Abraham is now torn. He takes his wife, Hagar, Genesis 16, 3, and sends her away with a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. And you look at that and say, how in the world is that even fair? Why is this even in the Bible like this? I'm so glad you asked. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn over to the book of Galatians, chapter 4. And we're going to look and see why, as an example, God dealt this way because it's a picture type of what was to come. 
Paul is writing to the churches scattered throughout the area of Galatia. There wasn't a church of Galatia like the Philippians, the church at Philippi. Galatians was a region of churches that he wrote this letter to. So in other words, this letter wasn't to be just read in one church, the church of Galatia, because Galatian church didn't exist. The churches of Galatia, there was a lot of them scattered around. And so he wrote this. Now let's look at this real quick and then we're going to go back to that. And people oftentimes say, well, I, we're a New Testament church. We don't, even, we don't even read the Old Testament. What a tragedy. You, you, you don't know the Bible. You don't even know what Jesus said. Jesus said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. So when anytime somebody says, we don't need the Old Testament, we don't read from the Old Testament, run from that group of people because they do not know God, they do not know his scripture. Here's why. If we didn't have this part in Galatians, we wouldn't understand what's going on in, in Genesis chapter 21. So Paul writes to the churches scattered throughout Galatia, verse 21 of Galatians 4, and he says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Now it is interesting, in verse uh, chapter 3, he writes them and he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You have begun in the spirit, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? You know, the Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. And you say, what about that? What, what, what's that mean? Even when I do something good, it really isn't sometimes good because I'm going around going, I did good, okay? In other words, our goodness that we do turns into what? Pride. And interestingly enough, the Bible says pride is the root at every sin. Wow. So in other words, when Paul says no good thing dwells in the flesh... We understand it because even if my flesh does something good, I'm walking around Captain Shiny Buttons going, look what I did. And do you know what God does? He rejects the prideful and he exalts the humble. So in other words, when we become a Christian and God changes us, the things that I do that are good, God gets the glory. That's, that's what's good about God. God fixes those things that are wrong in our life. He said, tell me, you who desire to be under the law. The Judaizers had came in to the churches scattered throughout Galatia saying, well, this Christ thing is really neat, and I'm glad he's your sacrifice, but you need to get back under the Jewish law again. The Ten Commandments and the other things. Now again, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two hang all the law of the prophets. Oh, I wish the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh-day Adventists and the other groups that are out there would get this down. We are not saved because we worship on Saturday or we don't have a slice of bacon on our BLT. We are saved because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And anything internally that I do to make myself spiritual, I'm lying. Again, shiny buttons. Look what I did. I don't eat pork. Ooh. 
I worship on Saturday. You know what? If you're a Christian, every day is the Lord's day. Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. So tell me, Paul says, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? So you think you want to be under the law, but are you really listening to what the law says? The law is what condemns you and separates you from God. Jesus Christ reconciles us to the Father, not because we were meticulous in keeping the law, but of God's great love towards us. This is the big difference. For it is written, and here's where it ties into 21. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman, the other by the free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. By the way, if you look at that story in chapter 16 of Genesis, you'll see how fleshy it was. Sarah says, well, I can't have kids, Abraham. So here, take my handmaiden and have kids with her. Abraham goes, okay. So the, the harem begins. Now, when you look, the works of the flesh never produce the things of the Spirit. And that's what he's saying here. Now, look at this. He says, one was according to the flesh. The other one was according to promise. These things are symbolic. Okay, why is it saying these things are symbolic? Because they're symbolic. You say, what does that mean? You now will understand why God told Abraham to deal with the situation the way that he did. It looks very mean, what we've been reading in chapter 21 of Genesis. But when you look at Galatians, you see why. Because the two, the bondwoman, the free woman, are mutually exclusive. They cannot occupy at the same time. This is what he's talking about when he writes to the church at Galatia. He's saying, you guys want to be under the law and you want to be under Christ. It doesn't work that way. I asked somebody one time, a Jehovah's Witness, I said, so what does worshiping on Saturday do for me? Well, it makes you God's child. And I go, no, it doesn't. Accepting Christ as your Savior makes you God's child. So what difference does it make what day I worship on? By the way, friends, I do believe we should take a day off and enjoy what God has given us. If you're a paramedic, a fireman, uh, maybe you work at a hospital or whatever, uh, your day off might be Thursday or Wednesday. But take a day off and enjoy what God's given you. There's a worldly term, stop and smell the roses, okay? Well, really, the day of rest, you should just... Not do something to gain. Just enjoy what God's given you. Now, sometimes it's a Sunday, and afterwards you go and spend time with your family, things like that. You want to do that. Now, I know some things come up. You broke a water main. There's no water to your house. You got to get it fixed. You're out there with a shovel. You're digging. Hey, I got to dig this. I don't want to work on Sunday, God. I'm sorry. And away you start digging, okay? You know, I got a donkey, and the donkey falls in the ditch. Well, I got to get the donkey out of the ditch. He'll starve to death. But if your donkey keeps falling into a ditch on Sunday, get a new donkey. 
God wants you to rest in him. See, and the problem is when we don't rest, we, we get skewed in the head somehow and we begin to think materialism is all that, that it is. So by taking a step back, saying, Lord, thank you for what you've given me, worship you, all those things, we begin to realign with, I believe, God's heart so we don't find ourselves in that way. But it says, these things are symbolic. Why did God tell Abraham to send her away? They're not mixable. Here's why. It says, For these are the two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is in the bondage of her children. But Jerusalem above is free and the mother of all. So it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who do not travail. For the desolation has many more children than she who has a husband. Now, we are brethren of Isaac. And this is important because, again, we are children of promise. But he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born of the Spirit, even so it is now. Those that are free, those that are under the law, always want to go after those that are free. Why is it? They spy out the freedom that you as a Christian have in Christ. And they go, well, yeah, but, but look how good I am. I, I worship on, on Saturday, and I don't eat pork, and, 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 I, and I watch Oprah, and I do a lot of other things. Those things do not make you holy. Their religions tell you that they do, but they don't. Again, Paul says that the law was the schoolmaster that brought us to Christ. In other words, you wouldn't know how big a blow in it you are unless the law was there. But once we recognize we're a blow it, we're a sinner, then Christ forgives our sins. Now, I don't want to keep living under that which identifies me as a sinner. This is what Paul's talking about, being under the bondwoman. But as being under the free from Jerusalem, and by the way, again, uh, Sinai, that's where the Ten Commandments were given, Mount Sinai, shows us that we were under slavery to sin. Now, as it says, let's just read verse 30. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not err with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. That is why God dealt with it so harshly back in Genesis chapter 21. Let's go back to Genesis 21. So, he sends her away. He rose early in the morning and sent her away. And the water in the skin was, when, and when the water in the skin was used up, verse 15, 
She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down across from him at a distance about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. Now remember this. God still loved Hagar. And God still loved Ishmael. And friends, if you want to know the solution to the Mideast problems right now, the Bible tells us what it is. Oh, we need to have more peace negotiations. We need to give away the Temple Mount. We need to do this. Look at this verse. I've read this book a thousand times. And I came across a verse that stuck out to me so pointedly to cure the Mideast peace crisis. This is what it is. And God heard the voice of the lad. Not the voice of the woman, but of the son, the descendants of Abraham. Heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called out to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. God heard the voice of the father of the Arabs. You get something here? If the Arab world right now and all across America and around the world listening to this, listen. If the Arab world will stop calling out to the Allah of Islam and call out to the Allah of the Bible, Allah in Islam or Allah in Arabic means God, if they will call out to the true and living God, God will hear them. Isn't that amazing? God heard the voice of Ishmael and God answered. Just as if it would have been Isaac, God answered Ishmael. People a lot of times say, well, it doesn't matter. You just pray. You can pray to a doorknob. I always like that about AA. Ever notice that about AA? Anybody know about the 10 steps in AA? The first one you have to admit is you have to have a higher power. Now, the idea is that you'll accept God as your higher power. But I don't believe in God, so my doorknob is my higher power, okay? Long as you're praying out to something, it's all it's important. Yeah, I'm going to pray out that light bulb is my higher power. Well, let me tell you, it's important you don't misdirect your prayers. This idea of all paths lead to God is from the pit of hell, okay? There's no other way around it. There's only one God that we have to do with. And Jesus Christ is the mediator between the Godhead and us as human beings. Well, it doesn't matter who you pray to. Just pray to anything. And no, it doesn't work that way. Well, you know, all paths lead to God. Well, I do agree. They all lead to the God of this world, except for one. So why is that important? Ishmael prayed to the God of Abraham and God heard him. Arab world, listen, if you'll pray to the God of Abraham, God will hear you, not the God of Islam. On the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, Israel, there's a saying written across the Dome of the Rock Mosque. The father has not begotten, does not have sons, nor has he begotten any. 
Eh, wrong answer. The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Counterdicts Islam to the max. If the world, especially the Arab world, will get this, God will reach out to you. See, Ishmael prayed and God heard him. God will hear the Arab world today. God will hear you if you call out, call out, call out to God. God will minister to you. God knows what you need. Not any God. Again, when you become a communist, you denounce Yahweh, you denounce God, and the state becomes your God. And thus, by doing so, you get all the good jobs and all those kinds of things for a while until you go to hell. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is a flaw in their theory, isn't it? By the way, something else as we look at this. You see in the Bible, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to sit down and write me a holy book, okay? Well, the one thing you don't want to put in your holy book, if you manufacture it, is the failures of the people who followed you. When we look at Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, the father of who gave us Jesus who were all indirectly related to Abraham. That's why this story is important on Father's Day. When you look at why God united us together under this patriarch, but yet in that we see the failures of Abraham. Why are those in there? So that we understand where we came from. They are our examples. As we just read in Galatians chapter 4, you can look at the book of Jude as well. There are examples. You say, why is that important? You learn from your examples. This past couple of weeks, we've seen these different revolutionary communist groups. And that's what they are. The Black Lives Matter. I, I, I think that what they did to Floyd was terrible. But when you look at the chop shop in Seattle, Washington, and you see the hammer and sickle on as they're, as they're part of their motif, which is communism, it tells me what's behind it. And when they tear down the statues of of uh, the Civil War people and stuff. Well, I can understand maybe some of that, but they're not just doing that. They, they have defaced the Lincoln Memorial, who set the slaves free. They, they have torn down uh, uh, st statues of, of, of George Washington. It's interesting, in 1933, Adolf Hitler had a major book burning and he took the books out of the library, piled them in the street, and burned them. And there's an old saying. If you're burning books one year, they'll be burning people the next. And <laughs> that's what happened, of course, in the Holocaust. But your history is your history. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it's there. And yes, there are things that remind us of it. It would be really nice to just go through with a magic marker, one of the big flat felt ones that you just, you can't read anything when you make, and mark out all the mistakes of Abraham. But Abraham was a man. George Washington was a man. 
All these different people down through the history of ages were men. But the minute you tried to destroy your history in order to set up your new communist utopia, you're denying how you got where you are. And when we look at Abraham, the reason why I have great hope in Christ is because I see how God used a flawed man like Abraham to bring about his purpose. And I then think, God, you use me and uses you in spite of our flaws. We don't do what Antifa does and go through and mark out all the things about Abraham. No, we don't do that. Why? Because it's part of what made us all what we are. Yeah, we can learn from the mistakes of Abraham. We can learn from the mistakes of, 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 of the Civil War. But to act like it never happened and to tear that stuff down is really saying your past is meaningless. This is what Hitler tried to do again in 1933 by burning the books. You see, you can't do that. Because we are, whether we want to admit it or not, we are a composite of our past. And if you want a new start, you don't do it by burning books in the street like Adolf Hitler did or pulling down statues around America in the name of your new beautiful communist society. There's only one way, and that's in Jesus Christ is where we're born again. Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Why is that important? It's because something within us as human beings knows we need a new start. Isn't that amazing? You see, the reason why Christianity fits is because God knows what we need. And you can tear down all the statues you want. By the way, they still spend the money with George Washington's face on it. Hypocrites. But the thing is, you, you, you have to realize there's something in us that needs, knows it needs to be washed every day. I knew this one person one time. They'd go out and had a pretty loose lifestyle. We'd go out and party down with the boys, party down with the girls, do all those kinds of things. And they said, I, when I'd come home, I, I'd try to take a shower to wash that feeling off. It was fun at the time, but I want to wash that feeling off. Why? Well, you, want to, you want to get clean, you see. Well, again, tearing statues down, burning books ain't going to do that. It comes only through Jesus Christ, where Jesus said, you must be born again. All things, Paul says, pass away. Behold, all things become new. We need new in our life. This morning, I pray that you have not become a victim of the age. Notice again, and we'll close. God heard the voice of the lad. What ails you, Hagar? Arise, lift up the lad, hold him in your hand, and I will make of you a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. Isn't it funny? The well of water was there all along, but she didn't see it until God opened her eyes. I wonder how many things we miss in life that is exactly what we need, but because we're not sensitive to the Spirit, we don't see it. 
God opened her eyes. There's a well of water. It doesn't say that God made the well of water right there when she said it. It was there all along. She just didn't see it. Funny, when our eyes don't see right, we see the wrong things. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad to drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer and he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran. His mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. God knows what you need. I pray this morning, first of all, you're a Christian. That way you got someone to go to with the issues of life. It's good to have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Second of all, God wants to relate to you as a child does to a father. I like that. You need that. Who's your daddy, you see? And so when we have a relationship with God, now again, remember, the law and life in the spirit do not mix. The law, Paul says, was the schoolmaster that brought us to the realization, the need for Christ. Once we have Christ, we don't go back into the law again. It just showed us what God's standard was. This morning, if you're tired of being manipulated by religion, if you're tired of being manipulated by man's rules and regulations, I would invite you to come to Christ this morning. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, I agree with the world. We need a new start. But you'll never find it in government. You'll only find it in Jesus Christ. This morning, what you're looking for is not in the political world. What you're looking for is in the spiritual world. Far transcends. And by the way, you can have everything right in a political world. <laughs> I'll tell you, the uh, millennial reign of Christ, perfect government, perfect food, perfect environment, everything restored. By the time the end of the tribulation, man has really decimated this planet. Jesus makes all things new. A perfect world. For a thousand years, Jesus reigns from Jerusalem. And do you know what the result of that is, everyone? Satan is loose and goes out, and the people, as sand, the Bible says, is on the seashore, come against Jesus to revolt. Maybe Antifa is still around. And they come and they want to destroy Jesus after living in an imperfect environment, perfect government, perfect food, perfect everything. Something is just not right with human beings. Jesus said to Nicodemus, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. We we need that newness. Otherwise, no matter how perfect it is, we'll still never find satisfaction. This is, I, I go back to this old song years ago in the mid-60s by Mick Jagger. I can't get no satisfaction if I tried. It's true. The world doesn't offer what you need. But they sure play on that. Hey, you'll be loved if you wash your teeth with shiny bright. Okay. Everybody loved that. Hey, even if they do, it's conditional love. God gives us unconditional love. 
I love you, period. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. You can ask Jesus to come into your life. You can get out from underneath religion. You can get out from underneath your sin. You can get out from underneath your desire to have purpose in your life and become a child of God. That's what being born again is. We're going to pray. And you can ask Christ to come into your life. Those listening by radio, watching on the internet, around the world, you pray too. We'll see what God will do. Let's pray right now. Father, I'm tired of the way I've lived. Forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands to make me the best I can be for you. That you'll be my father. So I ask you now, may every day I fulfill your desires. I'm sorry for the foolish way that I've lived. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to do your work. Give me love for the lost. Give me power to say things when I'm supposed to say them. And thank you for eternal life with you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. Begins with a prayer. God shows you the rest of your life how good he is. And throughout all of eternity.